You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. It's only a kick, a jump, a block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident panelist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Um, boy, oh boy, there's a lot going on right now. I couldn't be happier. I am a kid in a candy store with all the news and notes and everybody's together. Everybody came out of their hiding. Everybody's done talking about frickin' Super Bowl and Taylor Swift bullcrap, even though they're not. I keep seeing stuff about it, but we're moving on, man. 2024, finally everybody decided to come along. Everybody does it so begrudgingly, like, no, I want to stay with the Chiefs. I want to talk about Pat Mahomes. I want to talk about the Super Bowl. I don't want to do the draft. But now they're here. I'm seeing people say, now it's draft season. Like, you piece of crap. It's been draft season for over a month, you jag off. Anyways, everybody's on board now, and we got media members talking, we got rumors flying, we got nonsense popping up, we got nonsense being swatted down, we got Brian Gutekunst going to the podium. Um, I'm just living my best life right now, man. I am living my best life. I do want to start off with a little mini announcement. You may care, you may not. I finally did something that has been years overdue. I've been putting it off. I didn't want to do it. I knew it was the right thing to do, but I hated it, and I finally decided enough is enough. So if you've been following along for long enough, you know that I do have a Packers YouTube channel. You may even know the backstory that it started as an NFL draft channel. My goal at the time was to just be the Walter Cherapinski, the Walter football of YouTube, because nobody was really doing that. Walter football just did mock drafts all day long. And he built a massive website. And I was like, I'm just going to do mock drafts all day long, too. This is before they had mock draft simulators and everything else. Took me forever. Took me like a week to do a video. But it was starting to blow up. And it just got to be too much work. And I let it go. And that was stupid. Because when I decided to reemerge, I did a video expecting to get like 20,000 views. And it got like 400. I'm like, what happened, man? This used to be my thing. But YouTube's like, nah, man, you're not doing stuff regularly, and we got like 70 people doing that now, so you're just a small fish idiot. So I figure, you know what, I might as well stick with what's working. I have a pretty successful Packers podcast. Why not just make it a Packers YouTube? And you can kind of do draft stuff on there, and so that was my thing, is it's kind of both. The problem is, when you do draft stuff, Packer fans unsubscribe, because they don't want to see New York Jets mock draft. And when I do uh, Packers updates, the draft people leave. 
And so it becomes this constant, like, people come, people leave, people come, people leave. And so I finally decided to separate them. I'm going to keep the podcast as the Packernet podcast. I'm not going to change that. I'm guessing that's why a lot of the people are there are there. And I'm going to start a new YouTube channel. In fact, I already did. I re-downloaded and uploaded all the most recent uh, 2024 mock drafts to the new YouTube channel. It is, you know, linked with the Facebook group. So it's just called NFL Mock Draft. It has the same logo as the Facebook group. I will be sure to make an announcement on social media and whatnot so that everybody can find it if you want to, and we can be involved over there, and it'll just be fun, and we'll just do NFL draft stuff all the time. That way I can just focus. Whenever I have something Packers to do, I'll put it on the Packers one. Whenever I have draft stuff to do, I'll put it on the draft thing. I hate, I kind of hate starting from zero because now they're all like, I can't upload anything. Like I want to put like a graphic on there. Like, well, we don't know that you're real. You have to wait 48 hours. I can't live stream on it. Obviously I can't make any money on it. Not that I make much money on YouTube anyways, but at the same time, I love like just growing things and starting new sort of ventures. And it's a challenge. And it's like, bro, I'm, I'm, I think I'm, I think the draft channel is going to blow past the Packers channel, but we'll see. I'm kind of in competition with myself right now, starting from zero, but I am hopeful that that will grow and that will be a thing. And then I don't have to feel bad about putting again, like Patriots mock drafts on a Packers channel where people are like, what is this crap? And then vice versa. I have a base of NFL draft people who are watching just random Packers updates about Brian Gutekunst. And they're like, this is stupid. I'm not doing this anymore. So there you go. It would be great if you could join that channel and join the Facebook group, and uh, that'll just be, that'll be a thing. Well, there's so many things I want to touch on, but we also need to get to the Brian Gutekunst press conference, and obviously, you know how I am. Uh, that's going to take probably longer than it should. I do want to rip through just a handful of notes that kind of come to mind. There's almost too much here. Um, first of all, kind of the the only real big, I guess, Packers news is that um, Rashawn Gary's contract was restructured. Now, I, I'm sure this is a part of a bigger picture that the Packers are trying to put together, and I can't see what that is, but I don't like it. I just don't like it at all. We save $4 million, whoop-de-freaking-do. Now, again, maybe maybe this has to do with the fact that we're not getting rid of Bakhtiari. You could say maybe it's because they don't, I mean, they don't know if they're, so they're doing it because, maybe, well, then why don't you just wait? and see if you need the $4 million for crying out. Like, it's just, it just feels desperate. Like, we're just trying to scrape anywhere we can. And here's the reason I don't like it. Like, oh, it's $4 million. And, and by the way, every comment on social media when I saw that that we freed up $4 million was um, how much Rashawn Gary, he's all about the team. He's a team guy. He's da 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 He didn't take a pay cut. This is a restructuring, and it's all positive for the player. He doesn't lose a single thing. He just takes all that money and puts it in his pocket. It's just it, we're just making guaranteed money, and, I, and it's a, a we're paying you up front. We're gonna take that money we were gonna give you on Tuesday, and we're gonna give it to you today. That's all it is. the The four million dollars in savings is just cap. So get that out of your head. That had nothing to do with Rashawn Gary taking any kind of a pay cut or doing something for the team or anything. But the biggest reason I don't like it is because Rashawn Gary's cap hit was relatively low this year, and then it spikes next year. And for the remaining years, I, I I don't want to use the exact numbers because I think they're mostly adjusted now, but I don't know that they are. But the bottom line is, let, let's just envision that his cap it is like 17 million and then it's 25 for the next three years. Why would you lower the 15 and then raise the 25, 25, 25? I, I don't get for $4 million. It ain't worth it. He's going to be really expensive down the stretch. You just made it more expensive and he's not a problem now. I'm sure there's a reason. But I just, I don't get it. And you're setting yourself up for 
later he's going to be more of a problem. And so what are we going to do? Well, the cap's a little tight. We got to mess with Rashawn's contract. And, you know, we can't just push this year into the next two years. So we got to start adding void years. It's like, why do we have to screw with this stuff? Just not, don't touch Rashawn. And everybody gets all excited. Like, oh, see, we're moving money. Like, everything's fine. First of all, there was no problem with Rashawn's contract. But there will be starting next year. And I just, I don't, I don't understand the thought process for $4 million, which is not very much. So whatever, they'll figure it out. I just, I just feel like it's not worth it for these little piddly things. Like let's, let's just barely squeeze out a little something. I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't understand it. The, the only thing I could think is there, there is strong consideration for keeping David Bakhtiari, in which case we've got to get creative and start doing this, that, or the other. I don't know. But um, I just found that annoying. <laughs> Feed up four million, it's like, whoa, it's amazing. No, it's not. It did nothing. That did nothing except annoy the living crap out of me. But there you go. That's done now. Yeah, so Ken Ingles has the updated... Um, Rashawn Gary thing. His salary cap hit now is down to 11 million. So what? It was it was 15 and then like 25 25 25. It's now 11 25 28 and 31. I liked it a lot better before. I liked it a lot better before. Now we're going to have a 30-year-old Rashawn Gary with a 31 million dollar cap hit. Whatever. Um I just saw right now um Cherry Star has passed away. The um wife of Bart Starr. I mean, you, you want to talk about incredible people. My goodness. I mean, I, I still remember the podcast I did when Bart Starr passed away. I was on vacation. We were in Florida and I was not doing podcasts. I'm not doing it. Like, you know, I, I planned to going down, but then I just thought, no, I'm not going to do it. And when I found out he passed away, I, I had to do it. So I, you know, bust out the laptop and, you know, I mean, it's, it's tough. I mean, you start choking back a few tears and whatnot, because it's just, such a legendary human being, and it's such a sad, just, it, it just feels like a sad loss for the world, you know? It's hard to really explain it. But um, just, I feel like in a world that has become so vapid and vain and self-absorbed and angry, you know, just selfish and malevolent, there are just a couple people, the stars, that embodied just this sort of, just, I... Hate to phrase it this way, but old-fashioned goodness, you know, just a uh, just people that know, you know, what's right, and they just do what's right. They treat people right, they act right, they live right, and it's it's not an act, you know. They're they're just genuinely good people. It's just hard to find people like that. So uh, sad to hear that she passed away. She was 89 years old. Uh, Bart Starr Jr. said, "Yes, my mom passed away a few hours ago, and she did so peacefully um, and in the comfort." She did so at peace and in comfort. The sadness of this loss will not match our gratitude for having her as part of our lives for so long. Um, the only other Green Bay Packers news that uh, I'm aware of at this time, the Packers reportedly added former UAB offensive line coach Eddie Gordon to their staff as assistant offensive line coach. Prior to UAB, Gordon was on the Georgia staff that won two national titles. So continuing to add to the staff, I love it, I dig it. I need it. I, I especially like that we're getting some outside guys. Again, the, the thought process should be find the absolute best and get them in here. And so they obviously um, were aware of something pretty special with this guy out in UAB and gave him an opportunity, and I'm loving it. 
and especially since there are some questions about our offensive line play ever since we shuffled things up. Obviously, our offensive line coach went to uh, offensive coordinator, and uh, we have a new offensive line coach. And then, you you know, not blaming the coach specifically, but it didn't feel like we necessarily got the best out of anybody. Um, I think Zach Tom was about the same. Uh, I think Elton Jenkins was not quite peak Elton Jenkins, and obviously our center and right guard were nowhere near what we have seen from them. So hopefully we get a little bit of help and can kind of get back on track. And then a uh, quick roundup of a couple things that uh, have been going on around the old NFL here. First of all, one of the biggest things is, you know, the media has been running rampant with all these trade rumors, and basically teams came to the podium and were like, freaking BS, dude, we're not doing that. Now, it is possible that they're going to say no and then end up doing it, but it's more likely that the report was garbage, and if it happens to hit, it's sort of a, you know, broken clock is right twice a day kind of thing. But T. Higgins is one of those. Uh, Bengals said, no, we have no plans to trade T. Higgins. Um, Tampa Bay said they are moving towards re-signing Mike Evans. However, they did release Shaquille Barrett. I saw some people were in on that. I was in on that, like, I don't know, five years ago. I wanted Shaq Barrett, and um, we didn't do it. Tampa did it, and he's been a stud for him ever since. Um, For the Raiders, same thing with Devontae. New Raiders GM Tom Telesco insists they are not trading Devontae Adams. Now, again, it's a two-way street. Devontae's got a sign on the dotted line, but, you know, whatever. Um, Justin Jefferson, tons of talk about are they going to trade Justin Jefferson? Most ridiculous thing in the world. Why in the world any team would trade Justin Jefferson? Vikings GM said uh, he's never even considered it, so there's that. Uh, Same with Kirk Cousins. The team is looking to re-sign Kirk Cousins with a focus on recovery from his Achilles injury. Again, that doesn't necessarily 100% mean he's staying, but that is their focus right now. And again, I think that's the most likely thing. They're not going to trade away, you know, three years worth of draft picks to go up and try to get one of these top quarterbacks. Maybe somebody slides. I don't really know. Um, either way, you plan on keeping Kirk and then drafting a guy, and then after, you know maybe next year you move on. But that always made the most sense to me. We'll see if they end up getting it done or not. If not, then I just I don't know what the plan is. Uh, Denver Broncos, uh, George Patton, GM of the Broncos, says they don't currently have a plan to trade Wilson, which makes sense because nobody would trade for him with his current contract but still more than likely they're going to be letting go of that person. Calvin Ridley, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, mutual interest on both sides for him to return to the team. Again, this is why I said the whole free agency thing is so stupid to talk about. Everybody talks about, oh, the, the, so stupid to talk about the draft. No, it's not. We, we know pretty well who are going to be the top prospects. There's going to be some movement, but for the most part, the same guys we were talking about in November, we're talking about today. Free agency is a joke because everybody on that list of free agents is probably getting re-signed. It's so dumb. We get so worked up about these free agents and basically none of them are, are going to go anywhere except the guys that you don't want. Uh, the New York Giants said a franchise tag for Saquon Barkley is a possibility, but uh, let's just say it's pretty unlikely. And then finally for the Chicago Bears, their GM went up to the podium and essentially said, you know, If and when we make the decision that we are going to be drafting a quarterback, we will trade Justin Fields or, you know, do whatever it is we got to do with Justin as soon as is possible for his sake. And I can just tell by the discourse. I mean, you know, look, if if you're planning on keeping Justin Fields, you, you just don't make that comment. It just sounds different. You say something like, we don't have any plans to trade Justin Fields. Of course, if we did, we would, you know, this, that or the other. But at at this point in time, it's just it's not even on our radar. We're not thinking about it. So 
I don't know. I just the whole thing is stupid. Speaking of, um, actually, why don't we take a break and we come back? I've got something on that. I, I keep telling you, like Colin Coward, like some of the worst things I've ever heard the national media say that I go on rants on have come from Colin Coward, but also some of the very few things that I actually appreciate, they come from Colin Coward. So we'll take a quick break. Do me a favor and please subscribe to the uh, YouTube channel. But uh, we'll be right back. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news, so don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. Can we all now finally just admit, Bears are keeping Justin Fields. Rumors was all just to keep his trade value high. If Chicago bailed on Justin Fields in week eight or nine, what would he be worth today? You can't keep blaming the Bears. They went and got some good pieces. Uh, yeah, Bryce Young, he doesn't have anything to work with. Justin Fields' O-line is middle of the pack. His final seven games this year, five touchdowns, three picks. Completion percentage around 60% in the passer rating in the low 80s against mostly lousy teams. Chicago media... Their opinion of him is just not reality. Correct. Three years, his career, second half stats, 77 passer rating, 58% career completion percentage. You know what that is? Guy I keep comparing him to, Zach Wilson. Thank but you. But New York media never defends Zach Wilson. They call it as they see it, as they should. I respect that. Chicago media, this guy deserves another year. He is, in the second half, Zach Wilson. Yeah, and that's that's 100% right. And that's where I said Bears fans are so deluded and unique, and maybe you want to give them credit for, for sticking by your guy, but at the same time, you just sound dumb. Like, fan bases just don't put up with this. Vikings fans hate Kirk Cousins. He's been like a top 10 quarterback every year. Packer fans have high standards. Jets fans somehow have high standards, or at the very least, 
know what garbage looks like, and don't want it. Bears fans have been watching a trash quarterback for three years and just do nothing but make excuses for the guy. He's never done anything to prove anything. Bro, you've got a top 10 wide receiver. You have, as he said, a middle-of-the-pack offensive line. There's no excuse. You should at least be a decent quarterback, and he wasn't. He never was a decent quarterback. Things started to pick up down the stretch, and you get the quarterback wins crowd starting to say, oh, Justin's turned around. See, there goes Justin. It wasn't Justin. It was your defense that got you wins. Justin Fields was not good. He's never been good, ever, 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 ever. At no point, take any, like, six-game stretch and prove to me that this guy's a good... You can't do it. So this whole conversation is stupid. And I think all, all that, well, it's just about keeping the value and da 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 Dude, I, listen, everybody knows what Fields is. You're not going to trick a team into giving you a first-round pick because you didn't bail on them. They're watching him play. I think that's such an overrated thing. Not to say that teams aren't going to do it just because they're scared of, of how much it'll scare teams, but it's, it's not jacking the value by pretending like, oh, we really like him. Well, good, then keep him. I'm not giving you a first-round pick for that garbage. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost as if we pretend that teams don't have the ability to evaluate things. It's the same with, and I never understood this, this idea that, like, we're going to play hardball with our number one pick. Like, we really want it. We really, first of all, if you really wanted it, you wouldn't trade it. Second of all, I have my own assessment of the value of that pick, right? I know what I'm picking. I know the value of that thing. And so that's what I'm going to pay for it. You going like, ooh, it's so good. Mm-hmm. That, why would that change any of my assessment? I've spent months coming to conclusions about valuation and and suddenly I'm going to like jack up the price of how good I think a player is because there's a team going, I don't know, I really like them, I might want to take them. (laughs) That's such a stupid notion to me. And again, I have no respect for the Bears if that's the plan. That's what people keep saying. I don't buy it. I, I, I think they're taking Caleb Williams at one. I think a lot of this is just trying to hype things up along with Bears fans trying to, like, for some reason, like, the greatest thing they could ever do is trade fields for a haul and then trade number one for a haul and get, like, they, they have this euphoric, uh, u- utopic, utopic, u- yeah, I get, we'll go with utopic vision of how things go. We get the elite quarterback and the haul and another haul and just, like, every. Bro, if you want the right quarterback, you have to take the quarterback. You cannot give away the pick. There's this idea, too, where it's like, well, we know what the team's coming up for. So, like, if we want Drake May or or whatever, then we'll trade the pick to somebody that wants Caleb. Like, n- no. I mean, what if they lie to you? Are you going to risk that for what? Are you going to trade back to two and get, like, a couple twos and a three, which is what the Bears gave up to move up a spot? That's worth it to you, possibly losing out on a Hall of Fame quarterback, which you've never had in your franchise history. You're going to abdicate that responsibility and let whatever quarterback falls to you is the one you're going to take. That's so dumb. I just, I, I, I borderline hope they do it just so I can do nothing but talk about how dumb they are for months because that's so dumb. Anyways, let's get to the Brian Gutekunst uh, press conferences. There were actually two of them that I'm aware of anyways. Um... We'll do the second one first, I guess. I'll start with the second question. The first one I don't find super interesting, uh, just in case you can't hear the question because it is somewhat quiet. It's uh, how do you assess the strength of your roster as you prepare for free agency in the draft? How do you assess the strength of your roster as you get ready for free agency and then the draft? No, I think, you know, overall, I think our team is in, is in good shape. I think we have uh, a, a very strong um, roster. Um, but you know nothing's set in stone in this league, and we're going to bring in as many guys as we can to be competitive. 
Um, and I would imagine that our roster will look a lot different than it did last year, like it always does from year to year. Um, and we're excited about that. Um, from there, he was. I'll just kind of comment on some of these because it's not really worth playing. Talking about the amount of draft capital, obviously a lot of picks again. Does that sort of keep players on their toes? He says competition's always a good thing. Says it's not really about trying to keep guys on their toes. Just you know, competition leads to better football. Increase in salary cap is that going to like change anything? He says it's real helpful for flexibility. Maybe alter a few decisions, but won't significantly change the overall approach to team management. Again, these are kind of canned answers. In other words, you know, we do things a certain way. It's all about process. Every answer so far has been about process. We have a process. We stick to the process. Right. Even the first question that I skipped, it was, you know, there's been a lot of change. It's like, there's always change. We, we got a process and it's just, you know, it's just how it goes. Uh, next question. How has your program successfully managed the quarterback position? Answer, essentially, process. I'll skip down a little ways here. Um, how do you feel about the safety class? And uh, if it's deemed weak, does that mean you'd have to do something in free agency? I think it's a good college safety class. Again, we're still getting to know these guys a little bit. And this week is a big, big part of that. Um, but no, we'll address it in any way we can to, to improve that group. Um, we have some young players coming back we're excited about. Um, but yeah, we'll, um, we'll take each decision, whether it's free agency, whether it's um, the draft, whether it's waiver claims, things like that. We'll address it um, probably in multiple ways. So I think the problem with it, it's not even so much that it's you know canned answers. I mean, it kind of is. But it's that they don't know anything. They're, they're in the process of trying to determine how they feel about the safety class and the defensive line class. And, you know, they haven't made decisions about Darnell Savage or David Bakhtiari. So he's being honest. It's just there's there's no answers to give. So he's answering as, as good as he can with having no answers. Um, the next question, how important is this week? I mean, I could play it, but we know the answer to that. Um, very important for gathering information, especially medical. It's not about making final evaluations. It's about finding the right fit. So we got to talk to guys. We got to interview them. We, you know, of course, have to do the medical and everything else. But th- this is where we kind of get to know them. We get our hands on them, and we find out, you know, who's going to fit with our program. And then uh, I think the final question here is about Jeff Halfley. Didn't fully understand the the question. Something to do with how much did you kind of delve into his scheme, et cetera, et cetera. But I'll just let Gutekunst answer it. Yeah, not not really looking at any of the college tape of what he's done at Boston College. Um, it was more just the conversations about you know what he, where what he saw in our roster and, and where he wanted to take it, and those will continue on. You know, as he gets to know our players better and better, um, I'm sure a lot of his thoughts are going to evolve, um, and especially once he gets his hands on him and has a chance to to, to be with him and and, and uh, work with him. Um, but um, you know, from my end of it, and our, you know, it's just really a supportive role and um, making sure that we have everything we need to play the way that uh, we want to play. So there you have it. Um, no, actually, there there are were more questions here. I missed it. So uh, they they did talk again about Matt Lafleur not being there. So I guess they did decide not to show up again. He was asked about it. He said the decision for coaches not being present was uh, basically the realization that more quality time could be spent with players through Zoom calls than the traditional 15 minutes sometimes allocated at interviews. So it's just about maximizing time. And I've, I've, I've been saying this for a while, as far as, you know, with technology and everything else, I feel like we're so beholden to the the old traditional ways. And I understand there's some benefits to, to things, but man, you could do so much work if you just started to or tried to rely on technology as a way of reaching out and, and being places as opposed to being, you know, how much time do these scouts spend on the road not actually doing anything because they're driving? So this is kind of a step in that direction. 
where you know the coaches are they're looking at it and saying it's really not worth you going all the way out to Indy and not doing work that you could be doing in Green Bay just so that you can do this 15 minute you know Zoom call which you can do from Green Bay Wisconsin you don't need to be around here just wandering around Indianapolis and whatnot you got work to do in Green Bay so multiple questions about that the media must not be happy about it or something I don't know uh, why is Matt prioritizing this I mean that was already answered. And then uh, the actual final question, I believe, was uh, about Aaron Jones, so I'll let him speak to that. But the, the question is, would you feel too guilty to even ask him to take another pay cut after he took one last year? I think, you know, we're working through all those conduct. That's part of this. We just got the cap number. Now we're kind of like, you know, looking at all those things and how it fits and what's going to be best for our football team. But, um, yeah, that's, those, those are always hard decisions. <laughs> I like how he says that. He doesn't say, no, we don't want to do that again, or yeah, that would be too hard to do. He says, those are tough decisions. In other words, sometimes you just got to do what you got to do. Got to ask a guy for back-to-back pay cuts. I mean, it is what it is, man, but uh, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. Andy Hoosie, what's it? Let's take a break. We'll get into Brian Gutekunst's second press conference of the day. This is the one that was with the national media, and uh, I think we'll wrap it up for the day. Tomorrow, uh, start taking a much deeper look. I'm contemplating doing a uh, stream of the Combine. I've never done it before. It might be way too boring, but I kind of want to. And if I do, it'll be on the new channel. So I don't know. I'll have have to think about that. But we'll take a break. We'll be right back. So I started off with a couple questions about quarterback. Nothing, I think, super exciting, more or less, you know, why is it so hard to get a quarterback? I don't know, whatever. And then uh, somebody had followed that up with a question about the transfer portal and does being in multiple schemes kind of help um, with them having more experience? And Gutekunst said he hadn't really thought about it, but he thinks it's actually better to be in one system, which makes sense because what's the whole point of what you're trying to do is really, you know, with Jordan Love, just bathe them in this scheme and, and, and having a firm understanding of, of it. So that you're ready to rock and roll. So, so being kind of schizophrenic or, or frantically uh, throwing a bunch of different stuff at you, I don't know that that necessarily. I mean, maybe from a coaching standpoint, it might help to to broaden your understanding of things. But you really want to try to master something. But anyways, the first question I really wanted to get to was the one about cognitive testing. I thought was um, kind of interesting. He kind of found a, a a nice little middle ground between yes, it's important, and no, it's not. But uh, I want to get to that first and then comment on it. Some prospects are declining the cognitive testing. You know, you're, I'm wondering what that does to your evaluation of a prospect. Like, how much maybe you miss if they don't do that, and yeah. what are some ways that you uh, account for that? Yeah, well, you know, we we haven't had uh, many guys skip out yet, and it's a very important part of our process. Um, but it's just a part of our process. Um, you know, really, our the way our cognitive testing works, it's not it's not really used as much as an evaluation tool whether we're going to choose a player or not. It's more about if we do choose a player, what are the best ways we're going to support that player once we get them in the building? You know, so if we do have happen to have guys that don't um, take our cognitive tests um, or the league's cognitive test, which because there's there's multiple, um, we'll probably test them when they get in. If we once we bring them into Green Bay, just because it's really more about how do we support that player, uh, what are their strengths and weaknesses, how how, how do they learn best? Um, it's more about that than really a, a tool to decide whether or not you're going to choose a player. So a couple things. First of all, I find that interesting, and I, I think it's really smart. I don't know how you would go about doing that necessarily, but, I mean, I've, I've been saying for a long time, I mean, that's important as far as, like, children. You know, everybody learns differently, and, and we kind of have this one 
size fits all education system, it would be nice to find a way to have, you know, some kind of a cognitive test or something for kids to find out the best way they learn and then then teach them that way. I mean, I think there's a lot of kids that could really benefit probably some really intelligent um, kids that maybe um, don't excel because they just don't learn the way that the schools teach them or whatever. So it's, it's great to hear that Green Bay is um, trying to implement those types of things to say, you know, we need you to learn. How can we get you there? Which kind of brings me to the next part. First of all, the idea that cognitive tests are stupid and, and teams don't use them, want them, they shouldn't be a thing is nonsense. Everything about their ability to succeed in the NFL is mental. Everything. Even the physical side is not actually physical. There's no issue with how much you can bench or how fast you can run or how high you can jump. Like That's been established. We know the answer to that. And even if you're not super great at it, there's other guys that can't do that either that are succeeding in the NFL. It's all mental. All of it. To sit there and act as though mental testing, cognitive testing is not important. It's the only thing that matters. We've already established the physical attributes, right? We know baseline what you can do. And if you excel at the the physical, that's great because if we can get you to understand the mental, then your ceiling is much higher. But it's all mental. Everything is mental. Your ability to use your physical tools is 100% mental. Everything. From the moment that ball is snapped, knowing where to put your hands, the angle at which your knees are supposed to be, your back is supposed to be, your elbows and your shoulders, all that stuff for leverage, the force that you use, how much, when, where, every single thing is controlled by your brain and your brain's ability to comprehend the best ways to possibly do it and the speed at which it's able to do those things is the only thing that matters. There is nothing more important than your cognitive abilities. Now, some of that might might be assessed on the football field, right? Without some kind of a, a special cognitive test, right? We can see based on the way that you play, your reaction time and all that, we're, we're to some degree judging your cognitive abilities. But there's still a question of, okay, this is where you are. I need to know if we can get you over there. And, and I need to know that you have the ability to understand and process things. Because some guys have natural ability to put them there, but... Do you have the ability to get to that next level? And I, I, I'm not even pretending to know that there is a test that can tell you that, but what I'm saying is it's incredibly important. Maybe the tests that we have aren't adequate, and that's fine. I'm not, I'm not advocating for any... I don't even know how the tests work. I couldn't give a crap. But the, the point is, there's nothing more important than finding and devising ways of testing people to make sure that they can do these things. It's kind of like, what was the thing... <sighs> It was, uh, I think, a race car driver and like Tyreek Hill or something. They were doing this kind of a test. I think it was Tyreek. I don't know. But the there's a test that race car drivers do where it's like, I'm going to put my hand under your hand and I'm going to let go of the ball and you have to like catch it or something. And it's stuff like, I, I don't think I could do it. But both of them were able to do it because they have these unbelievable athletic reaction times. I mean, it could, it could be simple stuff like that where it's, you know, it's not like a, it's not, it's not like giving you a math test, but it's, it's judging your reaction time. There was a, a, um, martial arts show where they like judge like how, who has the, the strongest punch and it was the boxer and who has the most lethal knee and it was the, the Muay Thai guy or whatever, you know, it's just, it's all these things, but they had another one too, that was like reaction time. And I forgot who was the best at that, but all of them did really well, but just to be able to judge those things and, and, and try to find ways to understand that element is so much more important than like a 40 time 
So anyways, I, I just, I get annoyed with, I mean, I, I think people hate the cognitive tests because they, they feel uncomfortable by them. And so they try to dismiss them because they feel uncomfortable with them, but they're not being rational. You're, you're lying when you say that they're not important. You're just saying that because you want it to go away because it makes you uncomfortable. The reality is, of course, it's important. It's insane to pretend that your mental capabilities, your cognitive function doesn't play a role in your ability to be a professional football player. That is the dumbest possible notion ever. And it is constantly propped up by fans and especially the media because they're so anti-cognitive tests because they don't care about reality. They care about, you know, saying the right things and not saying things that make people uncomfortable, which is unfortunate because you would wish the media would care more about what's real and what's true, but that's not the case. (sighs) Anyways, it's also interesting that uh, it's kind of funny that Green Bay is, you know, because we all know it, like the S2 test was like a big thing or whatever. I don't, I don't know that that I don't know how long they've been in business, but that popped up real big last year and then it flamed out real hard because of some terrible stuff that was going on. But it's interesting to know that there there are cognitive tests outside of that that the NFL implements, and even if they refuse to do it, if Green Bay drafts you and you come to Green Bay, you're taking our test. Like, you're going to be put under a cognitive test. That's going to happen. And so uh, the next question, which I think is a very good question, they talk a ton about culture and all that. And the question was pretty straightforward. What is the process by which you find guys that fit your culture? Yeah, I think it's a it, it's a long process. I mean, our scouts start, um, you know, when these guys are underclassmen, seeing them for the first time, talking to people at their schools, um, a little bit like the question that was before about the quarterbacks and, and, and transfer portal. It's becoming more difficult because usually, you know, when you first start scouting a player, they've been there three or four years. They were recruited by that staff, possibly. And so they've seen them when they came in at 17, 18 years old. They've seen them grow. They've seen their maturity levels go. So you have a very better sense. Now guys are hopping around a little bit more. So it's, it's made the job a little bit more difficult. Um, but I think, you know, all the work that's already been done. And now we get a chance now to sit down and talk to them, talk to them about some of their past experiences, see how they answer those, see if they take accountability, um, you know, and just how they handle themselves in, a, in an interview process. And then there'll be obviously a ton more work going forward. But um, uh, the one thing I do know is you can feel really, really good about guys, but until you put them in your environment and see how they fit within that culture and all the challenges it presents, you never really know for sure. So not, not, I mean, again, I really appreciate the question. Didn't get a ton out of that. He did mention things like accountability, but it is funny when you think about it from the other side, you know, the, the talk about try, how, how do you know for sure? And he's saying, you don't really know for sure, but it is funny because we talk about how the Packers don't touch guys that are like problem people or whatever. Generally, I mean, sometimes they'll, they'll kind of, if they think that they've cleaned up their act, but it's funny to think that really all that is is like getting a definitive answer finally. They never know. Like they're always trying to find out like are you going to be a problem? Like you seem like a good dude, but maybe you're just putting on an act, maybe you're kind of a D-bag, I don't really know. And then you find out the guy's out breaking the law and he's doing all this stuff and he's it's like, "All right, perfect. Now I know for sure you're a scumbag." And cross you right off the list. So excited about it. Like, "All right. Thanks for thanks for the honesty, man. I appreciate that." Here's Gutekunst talking about the tight end position, specifically Kraft and Musgrave. You know, I think, yes, I think those guys are very well-rounded tight ends that can do everything that we're asking. Um, I think since Matt's been there, the tight end position has been extremely important in what we do, not only in the pass game, but in the run game. 
So having tight ends that can function in both, particularly in the blocking phases, um, was really, really important. And I think both those guys proved in their initial years, and there's so much room and growth for those guys to get better, um, but they can do everything. And um, just really excited about uh, where those guys are going. Um, you know, Tucker really, you know, really came on once once Luke had the injury. So now I think the confidence and the level that both those guys are at now, it's going to be really fun to see those guys on the field at the same time. Couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, that's that's exactly it, right? Musgrave was just coming into his own. Tucker really wasn't really doing anything. It was kind of getting worrisome, like you know, so much for that Tucker breaking the. Th- I mean, it started to feel real. You know, we we talked it into existence. Tucker Craft's going to break the. Uh, Third round curse, and then by mid season, it's like oh, I guess we were just kind of being stupid. Nothing defeats the third round curse, and um, you know Musgrave started to come into his own. He ends up getting injured, and then the more time Tucker Craft got, the better that he got. And so you hope that that can continue because if Musgrave can continue to operate at a high level, and Craft can continue to operate at a high level and and stay healthy, along with Christian continuing to same thing, like if he can stay on the field, man, I I am beyond excited to see what this team can do it's funny i was just uh perusing youtube and whatnot and i got you know i built the the new one so it's got like different suggestions and so i pulled up the gutikuns thing so it knows i'm a packer fan and it it started pulling up some of the uh like eagles fans and cowboys fans reacting to the packers game and so i was like all right i gotta dabble a little bit i haven't seen that in a while i kind of forgot about it and it was just so cool because you forget what it looks like like how good Jordan looked and seeing Dontavian Wicks just like streak across the field and come open and just, you know, reach his arms out and make a beautiful hands catch in the back of the end zone and Musgrave like skying up in the air and then coming down and getting a little toe tap on the sideline. Like these guys are good at football, dude. I forgot about that. Romeo Dobbs wide open 30 yards down the field, catching it over the middle, breaking to the sideline and cutting up. Like, dude, I forgot. This is a good football team. And then uh, what did you learn from Jordan this year? No, you know, really proud of him. Um, You know, the work that he put in, I think really, um, you know, he was very much rewarded for all the, all the work that he he was put in some tough situations throughout his career, Um, had lack of opportunity early with the COVID and not having preseason games and different things. Um, But to, you know, to go through the tough, tough stretch in October and to see him so, so steady through all that, uh, and just really lead our team to get better week in and week out and to see the rewards at the end of the season. Um, I was very excited for him and, and our football team. Um, and just, um, again, and for as good as he played, um, there's so much more in front of him. Um, and uh, just excited for him and, and where he's going. It's, it's always funny because as weird as it sounds, I forget that you know, technically speaking, Brian Gutekunst is just a massive Packer fan, you know, and so he's he's speaking about Jordan Love, and um, he speaks the language as far as like he says stuff that that we say and would say. For example, he's good, but he's just getting started. <laughs> I feel like Gutekunds could be a Packernet after dark caller. He kind of touched it on the on on the last one, but obviously you want to hear as much as possible. So here he is talking once again about the uh, switch to Jeff Halfley. No, uh, great question. I think you know the thing that. Uh... And I'm still, we're still kind of getting to know each other and stuff, but just going through the process and getting to know Jeff a little bit. Um, just really like his energy, kind of his leadership style. Um, you know, I think the expectations and standards that he's going to put forth for our, for our football team. Um, uh, I just, I think, you know, that's going to be the play style is going to be a big, big thing for him. And I think. So first of all, I like that because again, it's kind of the whole tea leaves thing. You're wait, waiting to find out what he's talking about. And the first thing that comes to his mind 
It's not about 4-3. It's not about single high. It's not about man coverage. It's about play style. And, and Matt LaFleur has talked about that as well. We want a guy that's going to get these guys playing fast and, and being aggressive. We want an aggressive defense as a, as a style of play, not just schematically aggressive because we're, we're sending an extra guy, right? Which, you know, if you're aggressively attacking the quarterback, then you're not as aggressive in covering. But, you know, again, it's, that's, that's what we want. We want a different attitude. We want a different energy. We want a different culture for our defense. And, and they feel like he's the guy to bring that. And I love that. Uh, it'll be uh, very welcomed. Uh, I think we've got a really good nucleus of players coming back. Uh, we need to fill those each room with enough competition that those guys feel that and can, can grow kind of like our offense did this past year. Um, and that'll be on us to do that. So, um, but I do think um, we're in good hands right now. So he, he's then asked about Christian Watson. Do you see him as wide receiver one? Which obviously he's not going to say, yes, he's our wide receiver one. But it's kind of what he has to say about the wide receivers in general, general is the reason I wanted to play this. Yeah, I don't ever look at it like a wide receiver one type thing or anything like that. I think, you know, we have a very competitive room right now. And I think particularly towards the end of the season, you saw the benefits of having a room like that. Um, I think everybody understanding that, you know, um, the guy behind them can go out and make plays at any moment and, and, and take those reps. Um, and I think they, it was a healthy, competitive room. Um, and, I, you know, to have guys that at any moment could step up and make a big play for us was something that um, we haven't had in a little while, and it was really good to see. Um, so hopefully we'll keep that competition going. And um, uh, it's comforting to know that, um, you know, Matt, Matt does such a good job of scheming guys, guys for their, for their skill sets. So no matter what player is in there, whether because of injury or, or whatnot, um, you know, he's going to put them in the right place to make plays. So the, the, the part I like about that is when he made the comment about, we haven't had that in a while. You know, you, you guys know how I am in terms of like, not really believing it until it's been like an established thing for a while. And, you know, I look at it and it's like, you know, I like what we have. I really do. But I don't know, you know, what we have here and this and da 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 da. And for him to look at it, you know, I mean, because before obviously we had Devontae and he's clearly an elite football player. But we also got the impression that Gutekunst liked Lazard and liked, you know, some of the other guys that we've had over the years, at least to what degree they've been able to contribute as being, you know, MVS, whatever, somewhat decent. The the fact that Gutekunst seems to view this group as I mean, you know, again, Devontae's on another plane. But to see this as like a group of guys that you can rely on and to say we didn't have that before, like, you know, when it was Devontae, MVS, Lazard and EQ, that was bullcrap. <laughs> now we have this group of guys that are really talented. So I, it's, just, it's just good to hear Gutekunst kind of acknowledge seemingly that we have something now that we haven't had in a long time, maybe ever in his tenure. I mean, not maybe. I mean, it's ever in his tenure for sure. That, you know, maybe you don't have that number one that's as good, but you've got a group that is better than you've ever had. So I love that. And then uh, again, another pretty solid question about Jeff Halfley. But um, first of all, what does Jeff Halfley expect from his players? And number two, um, what does that mean as far as what you're looking for to support him um, in in building that? Yeah, I I think, you know, our, the foundation of how what we're looking for in players and stuff isn't going to change. You know, we, that, that process is pretty entrenched. I think one of the things that the conversation will continue um, is just kind of some of the things he's going to want to do. And, you know, certainly um, in the final decisions of player acquisition, there, that might factor in a little bit just in how he wants to play. Um, 
but I want I know he, for a fact we've always done this, but he's looking for versatile guys that can do a lot of things. Uh, I think you've got to be careful when you build a team of having too many guys that don't have kind of like a um, you know a robust skill set because when injuries hit, they got to be do, able to do different things. So, and that's that's kind of you know again, it's kind of interesting because. When you think about it, it's like, yeah, well, he needs a different kind of safety because we need this, or we need different kind of pass rushers. And in reality, Gutekunst is looking at it as, I'm not really looking for a guy that specializes in this or that. I'm looking at, we, you know, we've always drafted do-everything safeties. We're going to continue to draft do-everything safeties because, you know, if somebody goes down, now you got to step in and fill that role. Now, there might be some changes for sure. I mean, you know, when you're looking at, for example, outside linebacker, they're compared to a defensive end, there may be some changes. There may be some things that aren't necessarily as important that even, you know, given injury, it's not like your defensive end is going to have to kick back to linebacker if you're losing some guys, right? Now, your strong safety, free safety, maybe, or, you know, slot compared to boundary or whatever the case may be. I don't know. But I think to some degree, he, he kind of downplays it because I, I do think he's going to really need to understand what Jeff Halfley's looking for and try to find those types of players. But I, I do think that's a fair note to say the reason it's not really going to change is the same reason why our defense isn't really going to have that that catastrophic of a, of a result because of the change. And that's because we've always drafted hybrid guys. And uh, that's what we're going to do moving forward. So, you know, I mean, if, if even if uh, you think about it in terms of like the size of a circle, Whereas, you know, Joe Barry is over to the left and, you know, Halfley's over to the right. But Brian Gutekunst, he gets guys that are drawing a big circle that encompasses both of them anyway, so it doesn't matter. In other words, I'm going to get guys that do everything and you guys just use them differently. And then here's the conversation on the salary cap with getting more money. Yeah, no, it's, it's really flexibility, I think, and how you want to approach it. Um, certainly gives us some breathing room to do some... Hopefully it would give us some breathing room to not have to do minor bull crap like with Rashawn Gary, but apparently that's not the case. Different things, um, but it's more about um, not necessarily the players we're going to acquire because I felt pretty good, you know, no matter where it was going to be being able to do that, but it's okay, how do we structure some contracts? How do we go about, how do, how do we go about you know, just managing that? It gives us a little bit more breathing room, I think. Yeah, and as far as that goes, it sounds to me as though essentially what they're saying is they are going to do less restructuring. In other words, they're going to use that money. I saw um, Ken Ingalls was referring to kind of uh, the analogy he used was, you know, if, if you're, let's say, $100 in debt and you get a $20 bonus, just using smaller numbers for the sake of easier comprehension, you're not necessarily going to go out and buy $20 worth of stuff. You're just going to pay down your debt with the $20. Now, the analogy doesn't necessarily work in this situation, but still, the, the point is maybe all they're planning on doing is less restructuring, which kind of helps us get out of the cap hell faster. In other words, it's, it's whatever, 20,000, 30, or 20 million, 30 million less, 10 million, I don't remember how much money it was, uh, less kicking the can down the road money. And I didn't necessarily know if I bought that as a, as a reality, but it's sounding like that is going to be potentially the reality we'll see we'll see how it all ends up when they get done screwing around with contracts or whatever how it all ends up it's hard to imagine that we don't end up more in the black than if we uh if we didn't but you know again with david bakhtiari if he does stay that's a big deal i still don't think he's going to but that's that obviously makes a big difference i think if you move on from bakhtiari then uh then i i I have a hard time thinking you're not going to have a little extra money in your pocket as far as potentially with free agency maybe it's not enough to move the needle on on a full player but we'll see. We'll see how it all ends up. 
And then somewhat of a silly question, but at least it gets some sound bites. Do you think you're a legitimate Super Bowl contender? Um, I don't, not a lot. I think it's just, you know, to me, it's, it's every year is about, you know, understanding that um, you don't want to put too many limitations on your team. You know, expectations can do that. So um, the important thing is to understand that what we did last year really doesn't have much of an effect on what we're going to do this year. Um, if we don't, if our guys don't put the time in, don't come together as a team, don't work through the adversity, um, what happened in 2023 won't matter. So it's really just about having that mindset of, um, you know, I got to do enough as we come into camp, through camp, and into the early part of the season um, if we're going to have a successful year. So. Yeah, that's that is a pretty good answer because I mean the the easy answer is freaking what do you think, Jagoff? Of course we're Super Bowl contenders. But in reality, it's like, look, um, it's 2024, everything resets. I'm not coming into this saying we're we're top dog because we're nothing. What we are is going to need to be to be dependent on um, you know, the work that we put in in the offseason. It's going to be dependent on the work that we do, you know, as players, but also the coaching staff putting together a plan. The, you know, us, you know, in the, in the draft and in free agency and working through these contracts and making sure everything's right and, and making sure that we put together a good season. It's what I love about these football guys, man. They just, they, they, they know how to think. I mean, they, even I, if somebody asked me that question, I'm like, of course, they, what a stupid question. My mind would just immediately go to what they did in 2023 and extrapolate it out in terms of, I'm not saying they're going to win, but obviously they're contenders. But that's just such a better answer. And, and then the next question, I, I wouldn't, I, I almost didn't think I was going to need to play it because it's like, obviously the answer is, he's not going to answer this, which is, you know, what, what are your priorities? In other words, what, what are you planning on drafting here? Um, but the answer actually is somewhat interesting and there's, there's something to kind of key in on here. Um, but, I mean, obviously we have a, a process we're going to go through with, um, you know, free agency, the draft, um, you know, the off season program. I think again, to touch base, just, I think the one thing that we really, really came out of this season that was evident was that the competition within the rooms allowed us to grow and grow at a, maybe an accelerated pace. So I think that's the biggest thing is as we get into the very beginning stages of building this team and this team working together is having enough competition in all phases so that that growth can be accelerated. So, I mean, obviously the, so it's, it's to some degree a non-answer, but at the same time, what he's saying is what we realize is that because in certain areas we had so many people crammed into an area, I mean, you take wide receiver, for example, it forced this just this ramp up in competition, this sort of one-upsmanship where, you know, you got this guy who's emerging and then this guy overtakes that guy and then da 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 da, da And they realize how important that is. Not, I mean, obviously you always know, knew that, but to see that level of growth based on competition, the bottom line is if you want to know where they're looking, if he gave us a little bit of a hint of where they're looking, look where the roster is barren. And to some degree, that's obvious, but at the same time, I think a lot of us look at it and go, yeah, we might need another guy there or whatever. Now, I don't know about a guy, dude. Like, we're not looking at bare minimums. I mean, it's it's a matter of, you know, filling it, like, for linebacker. Well, you got to have three starters, and then how much behind them do you want for there to be, like, legit competition? Even if it's just a matter of getting the best out of your starters, putting light and a little fire under them. And it also matters from the standpoint of positions where you look at it and go, ah, we're good. Yeah, maybe. But Gutekunst is looking at it going, how can we cram more competition in there to get the best out of these guys? Because remember, it's not always just about the 53. Now, granted, if you're talking about first, second, third, you know, whatever picks, but, you know, competition happens before the cutdowns also. 
So just because you know that they're not going to field that many guys doesn't mean that they're not going to, you know, stash a bunch of people there. And then who knows, you know, they go to the practice squad for a little while or whatever. It's not a big deal. The bottom line is we want as much competition at as many of these positions as we can possibly get. So the the really crowded positions like wide receiver, probably not going to have as much investment or defensive tackle. Maybe you could add a guy there, but then you look at linebacker, you look at safety, maybe even edge. Some of these other positions um, that are a little bit thinner, even tight end, as much as, again, you look at it and go, well, we already got two really good tight ends. Right, but there's no competition there. And that's the problem. And then uh, the next question was about linebacker. And interestingly enough, it's more the question than the answer that interested me. He, he, the question essentially was, you mentioned that you want to bulk up at linebacker. Is that going to help your special teams? I missed the part where Gutekunst explicitly said we need to bulk up there. But anyways, here's his answer. It, it can, you know, I think um, it's really a combination of the kind of the defensive back room and the linebackers, you know, for those teams spots. Um, but I think, you know, the numbers aren't going to be, you know, dra- drastic here. And you're talking like, you know, one extra down the 53, maybe two extra guys within the 69. But so, um, but I think it's for me at the, at the beginning, it's just more functionality of practice, making sure we got enough bodies that when they do want to play base with three off the ball linebackers that we have enough that can get through practice, keep guys healthy. Um, but, um, but I do think it'll help special teams a little bit, you know, because I think you'll maybe have, you know, a few more of those 235, 240 um, body types that can run. Um, you know, our, our outside backers um, have typically been more 265, 270, and didn't factor in on teams maybe as much. Um, so, yeah, I think hopefully it can help. And that actually is kind of interesting, um, the fact that, you know, we're going to be moving toward more linebackers, which is a more special teams body type. I hadn't considered that, but that's actually kind of an interesting, I uh, wonder if there's a correlation between 4-3 teams and special teams. But anyways, I think uh, I think that's about it for that. Um, he, he was asked a little bit about, um, you, know, you know, what is the strength of the class kind of thing, and he's more or less says we're in the process of working through that, so... Anyways, man, we're going to start getting into this thing. I'm excited about it. Have much more news and notes and reports and numbers and everything else. So I will talk to you about that uh, tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on that's nice at caskers.com we make this experience easy caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne discover the top flavors of the year now by going to caskers.com and using code welcome 10 for ten dollars off your first purchase get ten dollars off your first purchase with code welcome 10 at caskers.com